Welcome to the Do Good to Lead Well podcast. If you're passionate about mastering self-leadership, then you're in the right place. I have always been curious about and fascinated by the pursuit of leadership excellence. This is why I pursued my PhD in psychology with a specialization in business, and I've continued to dedicate my career to understanding the science and practice of positive leadership. My name is Craig Dowden, I'm a best-selling author, award-winning keynote speaker, executive coach, and member of the Forbes Coaches Council. Each week, I'll bring you world-class content on the science and practice of positive leadership. Through my conversations with best-selling authors, TED speakers, and top CEOs, you'll be able to leverage their insights and experience so you can maximize your potential and be the leader the world needs you to be. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Do Good to Lead Well webinar and podcast series. My name is Craig Dowd, and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you here this morning for this terrific conversation. Really looking forward to it. And before we begin, I do want to mention this because this is a recent achievement. Do Good to Lead Well podcast is rated in the top 10% of podcasts in the world. So could not have done this without your support. So thank you so much for continuing to listen into these episodes, sharing them with your communities. Very inspiring for me and really excited for that development. So my guest this morning is Sue Hutchison. She's the president and general manager of Equifax Canada, joined the organization in November, 2020. So during the pandemic. So that's provided her tremendous insight into how you lead during challenging, uncertain times. She's been tasked with leading Equifax through the transformation to a 100% cloud-based data insights and technology company. She has extensive experience in lending and digital payments through a career in financial services and fintech, and she possesses tremendous experience building customer-first strategies. Prior to joining Equifax, Sue held several senior leadership positions in organizations such as MasterCard, Payments Canada, HSBC, Bank of America. She's also an active board member of Home Capital Group, has served as an advisory board member for Women in Payments, a board member for BC Women's Hospital Foundation and the Nature Conservancy of Canada. She received her MBA from the Schulich School of Business and holds an ICDD designation. So as you can see, just a fantastic pedigree and so very excited to welcome Sue to the program. So good morning, Sue. Great to see you here today. Good morning, Craig. Great to be here with you. So much to unpack and the time is going to fly by. And again, Sue has kindly agreed to take questions from, from the live audience. So you have a chance to talk with one of Canada's top CEOs and business leaders. So please take advantage of that. I would love for you, Sue, to talk about what was it like onboarding in the midst of a, a pandemic, taking on a new role? And what was that like? What were some of the early lessons you learned in that? Yeah, it was the interesting times, kind of the uh, getting into the depths of the, the pandemic, Craig, and sort of difficult to make the decision to join, not being able to actually meet people in person. Of course, the U.S. headquartered company, so I couldn't really cross the border at that time. So I had to do my due diligence. But then joining, of course, we were in and out of lockdown, really, I think, for the next 15, 16 months. So, you know, the hardest thing was not being able to meet my team and meet customers because it was 
virtually quite difficult. We had a couple of chances to be in the office and there was kind of a scattering of folks, but it took me a long time to even meet my entire leadership team, many of whom are in Toronto, but some a little bit more spread out. So that was that was challenging. And I think really building relationships virtually is harder, especially, you know, if you've never met folks. I think it's one thing if you know people and then you go into the virtual world and you can continue that relationship. But if you haven't met them, you know, a little bit more difficult, or I'd say a lot more difficult. So that was interesting <laughs> and challenging. But I think maybe a silver lining was, you know, we always talked about in the early days of talking about diversity in the business world, you know, people allowing them to bring their whole self to work, which really people did because you are in their kitchen, you are sometimes in their bedrooms where they may have had a desk. You know, I had cats walking across the screen, dogs barking, children around. So the silver lining was really getting to know people's whole self, where they live, whether they have folks relying on them for care. Obviously, really tough for uh, young parents that, you know, were schooling at the same time as folks were trying to work. So I think I got to know people's personal lives more quickly than I would have otherwise. That's so funny you mentioned that. And yes, absolutely. I think there were several silver linings that came out of it. And I do recall mm -hmm. being on a live webinar and I remember a cat just decided to walk <laughs> over the, onto the laptop and everything. <laughs> totally different. You never would have anticipated that before. Yet that's the reality. Have a question already, which I think is great. So Sally, appreciated you highlight some of the challenges in establishing those virtual relationships when you have mm -hmm. a person. What have you found to be, you know, good strategies, effective, more effective strategies, and maybe things that some people may be trying out and then aren't as effective as we might think? Great, great question. Thank you, Sally. Yeah, especially I think during the pandemic and even now, you know, people are still challenged through as we kind of come through this this recovery. But I think even more spending a bit more time on what's going on with people, you know, in their personal life, like how are the kids doing and how's it going? You know, if you have to go back to work, how are you managing that and daycare and this and that? So I think a lot of empathy and just understanding. And so maybe spending a little bit more time on asking questions about sort of how they're doing before perhaps diving into the task at hand. Got a comment from Sally already. You said, thank you. Such an important point about <laughs> asking questions rather than making assumptions. Thank you for that insight. And there's a big discussion as well. So it's a wonderful bridging question around culture and then right discussions mm -hmm. virtual and and when we're working from home and how you preserve the culture of an organization what are your thoughts in terms of best practices that senior leaders executives ceos can follow in terms of being mindful of of the culture mm -hmm. yeah and i i had a kind of double task because i thought i needed to change the culture <laughs> So I, you know, I, I came into a highly successful business, you know, Equifax is the largest credit bureau in Canada, very strong team here in Canada, being around for 110, 120 years, you know, market leaders. And I felt that a little bit in the culture around sense of urgency and 
maybe a need for kind of faster innovation and responsiveness, et cetera. So it was a strong culture, but I did want to change it to make us feel more like underdogs so that folks worked harder, showed up, you know, more responsive for customers. We're, as you mentioned at the opening, Craig, we're moving to total uh, native cloud-based technology, which is a huge, huge project. And so with that, we do have the ability to be more innovative, be more agile, et cetera. So as we put in new tech, I wanted to make sure the business came along with the technology. So the way our sales folks and account executives show up with our customers and partners, the way our data scientists work now on brand new platforms, the way operations can respond using faster, more transparent tools, even our securities teams. So that was that was super important to not just maintain, but actually change or edit slightly the culture as I sort of came into this organization. Mm, that's great. I have another question. So questions coming in fast and furious this morning. Tim really acknowledged the transformation that you're undergoing. And so was curious, what are some key lessons that business leaders, because we're in an environment of transformation as Bill puts it, mm-hmm. what are some key lessons to keep in our minds as we're moving through these large transformations? Mm-hmm. Question. Yeah, so I I talk a lot about optimistic leadership. And the reason is, you know, I've been in, you know, the banking world and financial services and technology transformation is really hard. And it's hard not just because of the new technology, but always it's going to impact business processes around it, right? And it will impact often the talent and skill required in really many, many parts of the organization. So these big transformations are ripe for problems, right? There's a lot of complexity, a lot of industries like financial services. You know, sometimes you haven't opened up the hood for 30 or 40 years, old business rules, things like that. And so it's probably not going to be perfect. Software development is, is tricky. And I think the team needs to understand that, you know, things aren't going to come out perfectly each and every release of each and every product on each and every platform, which is really what we're doing. So I think optimistic leadership is really important and then celebrating successes. So we have, for example, you know, our entire consumer bureau on the cloud now and we're moving our commercial bureau. These are huge milestones and we're working with Google. We're one of their largest customers you know, they've never run a bureau, I don't think, on on the cloud either. So a lot of learning in the company, with our partners, with our vendors. And so just really being, again, curious, asking a lot of questions, making sure we're supporting each other. Because in times of stress, which we kind of put ourselves in, in this ambitious project, I think Sometimes we slip up and start, you know, well, it's this text fault or us, but, you know, whatever. And really the culture I've at least attempted to to build and the, the themes are around optimism, supporting each other, being empathetic because we all have really hard jobs in this program, which is now in its third or fourth year. And we're kind of coming to conclusion this year. So very exciting. And I think as we celebrate these successes, people feel really energized that they're working for what is a, a winning team. Mm, well, I love that. I love the focus on the celebrating successes. And again, it's interesting to your point from earlier, asking questions, being empathetic, kind of mm. 
remembering the criticality of that skill and have another question again from Tiffany. Love the emphasis on optimistic leadership. Appreciate that. Any thoughts around when you're dealing with pessimistic people? How to reach them? Sounds <laughs> <I was> like <laughs> they have a parallel universe. So any thoughts around how to maintain optimism if they're, you're dealing with some pessimistic individuals? Yeah. And I think also, you know, there is some transparency. So I think having not always saying good ship lollipop and everything's fine and acknowledging when there are issues as you go along. So that's important. And I think the pessimists on the team sometimes will keep us grounded a bit. So I listen for it. In fact, I was on a meeting this morning and I was thinking, Eeyore, <laughs> but... Eeyore had good points around, you know, what some of the issues are. So I think it's important to listen to that pessimism and make sure you're not missing something. But then also remind folks of those successes, of the milestones you've met. And if you haven't met any yet, what the vision is and the future looks like so that people can get excited and stay excited. And one of the challenges about you know, multi-year technology transformations, which a lot of companies are in, is keeping the energy up and keeping the enthusiasm over multiple years where you're sort of like kids in a long trip, like, are we there yet? Are we done yet? So I think that's really part of the leadership challenge as well. Mm -hmm. Well, and I love that. And I think, and again, this is why I was so looking forward to our conversation the lesson that's in that, I love the point you made, Sue, around, well, it's important to listen. And I think that can get missed so often, especially yeah. when there are people that don't have the same perspective as us. Yes. I love how you make the note around the grounding, right? Like they can, so pessimistic a perspective, mm -hmm. perspective has value. Let's listen to it. Let's understand it. So that bridges that gap. And then also there, there are nuggets in there. And so that all of us mm -hmm. can participate. So that's Really fantastic. And as you say, and then the transparency, I love that point because that's part of the, in the work that I've done as well, when, you know, it's all, it's, everything is fabulous. It's all great. <laughs> and people are transparent about, well, there are a couple of challenges here. Like we're not yes. going to do it perfectly. So love it. So thank you for that. And lots of comments from people expressing appreciation. So there's a heavy emphasis on leadership. And we started to touch on this in the different different large scale initiatives that you've been a part of and how you've onboarded. What do you think about the key qualities that leaders, executives need to possess to be successful, not only today, also in the future? What does good leadership look like? Yeah, I mean, I think building trust, you know, my experience, my recent experience here, both with my leadership team, my extended team, and really the organization. And my organization is the Canadian organization, and it's also the global organization of Equifax. And I think that's not the skill, that's the kind of desired goal. So how do you get there? I think it's strong interpersonal skills, strong EQ, really trying to understand other folks' points of view. So they say, okay, sh she understands what I am doing or what I need to do, et cetera. So I think, I think those things, and again, we're all in this massive time of change, whether it's the pandemic or acceleration of digital or now an economy that's a little volatile, vulnerability and humility, like not knowing all the answers. And, you know, just because I think that gives people um, that, concept of psychological safety. Like I don't have to know everything 
gee, my boss is saying, I don't know, you know, that makes me feel more comfortable. And then maybe I can express my concerns about the situation or maybe my personal life or what have you. So I think creating that and just, I mean, I say, I'm for sure the dumbest person in the room on my team. I'm always asking a lot of questions, wondering what's going on. And sometimes I'm not like that. And I'm not the perfect leader by any stretch and, you know, lose patience and things like that. But I think I try to just really share what I'm concerned about or what I'm worried about, right? Which may have validity or may not. My team may reassure me or they may say, gee, we're worried about the same thing. So I think I think just, you know, showing up with humility is is just a it's a very engaging approach, I think. And people feel more comfortable. I think they share more and you you often will get to a better conclusion, more innovation. You may be more creative in your in your ideation as well. Well, and I love that and that linkage on the vulnerability side and and to the psychological safety and humility together as a very powerful a combination. And and I'm Curious because in discussions of leadership, and particularly when you think of the C suite, humility and the C suite may seem as, oh, oh well, how's that going to support us as as chief executives? So I'd love to get your your thoughts on that, where you see humility being an executive strength as opposed to a weakness. Talk to us more around that. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, I was lucky to have you join me, Craig, and my extended leadership team last week, and we spent some time on this. And it was quite interesting because I think people rightly brought up that it may seem like a weakness and it may seem like you're not kind of in command and control of the situation. And I think I shared, you know, I kind of grew up in a commercial and corporate banking environment, male-dominated And I felt like I had to have all the answers and had to be perfect all the time and didn't ask many questions. And it was just that that sort of, you know, white man, pound the table, kind of military style, which I think is how business organizations grew up in in North America in the Western world. So I think I didn't see a lot of humility in my early days. And the leaders I did were my most favorite leaders that I've had in my career. And I learned probably the most from them. And so as I progressed, I started thinking, huh, maybe I don't have to, well, act like a man, (laughs) you know, act like I know what's going on all the time and started asking more questions. And I was quite successful in, in my career. And I think that transition from the young days of, you know, I grew up with three sisters. I didn't know there was a boy job and a girl job. Like we all took out the garbage and we all did. There were no gender stereotypes. So when I kind of hit the working world, I was sort of surprised with what I encountered. Again, I was in a fairly male-dominated industry or career track segment. And um, so I just think, first of all, it's way easier being a leader thinking you don't have to know everything. (laughs) It's just a big relief. And I think in the last probably 10 or 15 years, I've realized that the less I kind of make the decisions and have all the answers, the more information, the more creativity, the more innovation, the more engaged the team is. If I just sort of back up and let give space for folks. And that is so fascinating. The ideas that people have, you know, we have a really diverse team at Equifax, which I'm very proud of. And people are very creative and they're very innovative. And I just find 
10 brains are way better than mine, definitely. So that's been really just a great learning for me as a leader. There's so many great points in here, right? And, and I love how you're highlighting the power of I don't know and just <laughs> so we go in and we figure these things out. And there are a yeah. lot of around the table. We each have a perspective. And it's great how you highlighted the importance of psychological safety. So to create an environment where we can hear from everybody's perspectives and come up with something together. And also as well, and it's such a, in these times in particular, and you hear lots about, you know, the great resignation and quiet quitting and low engagement. Well, how can we best get people mobilized about moving together to achieve something that's important to us? We'll involve everyone. So such an important point on the on the human side of leadership, if you will. Love that. Fantastic nuggets there. So thank you, Sue. I have another question from Stan. Keep coming in. Was curious, has your leadership philosophy shifted at all as a result of leading through the pandemic? Or are you still, you know, stay with the leadership philosophy of before? Great question. I, I definitely have learned a lot. So the comments I made about really understanding people's personal situation. I probably wouldn't have got there as quickly before the pandemic where it's a person, it's the CFO, it's the, a salesperson, it's whatever. And if I had time and I spent enough time with them, I might understand whether they have, you know, brothers, sisters, children, you know, where they grew up, et cetera. But I found through the pandemic, you're really often starting, even with clients, with how you doing, gee, that's a, are those your kids that drew the pictures behind you? What an interesting background. Are you at your cottage? <laughs> Some of the young folks are, you can tell there's a microwave behind them and there's traffic, kids opening the fridge. So I, I found I started there often, again, because I didn't even know anyone. So it was a the pandemic was sort of bonding. The lockdowns were kind of bonding because we were all in the same situation. Those bonds I created, I, I realized, wow, that's so important. That is, we're not just the president or the salesperson or the financial analyst, right? We're all the other things that are part of our being who we are. So I, I think I did change. I, I look at people in a more fulsome way and I'm I'm trying to keep that because I think it was a real learning for me and a real way to connect with people. Mm. Well, that's such a, an important point and talked about this at the beginning of our conversation as well, Sue, about, well, the silver lining, if you will, and so can get there and then our situation can accelerate uh, mm -hmm. that, right, and that learning. And as you say, recognizing the fullness of individuals and that we have various layers to our lives above and beyond what we may see in a, in a corporate environment. In a yeah. And I think maybe even more dramatic, it, I, don't you sort of think, oh my goodness, like, did that happen? Did so many people die? Were so many people sick? Did we really, we weren't allowed to see our friends and family? It's kind of like I was just off for a week and for March break with one of my kids and, you know, kind of time to reflect. And and it's sort of like, wow, that was unbelievable what happened to us. So I think also part of me is more like this sounds dramatic, but this life could end, you know. So I sort of feel more energized about let's get it done. Let's live life. Let's deliver. Let's love our friend. Let's show up more because goodness, it was kind of a frightening experience. 
Yeah. So I, I think there's a little bit there. I think was that Stan who asked the question? Yeah. Just more like, whoo, this could, yeah, life was short, right? Well, and, and thank you for sharing that and got several comments on that. And absolutely like it's, it is, it was, it was a, it's something we'd never gone through and it really highlighted just, well, the fragility of things. Yes. Well put. We, yeah. we just assumed would be yes. there. We just kind of were going through our lives and there were assumptions about, okay, well, I can go yes. to so-and-so or do such and such. Yeah. And we just kind of got into this rhythm. And and it's wonderful that you're drawing a point on that. And and it's something that I personally also hope as well is that there are lessons that were shown to us mm-hmm. that experience and what's important and what's most important for us and where are we investing our time and with whom and doing what. Yes. These are critical questions for our lives and to link it back, the fullness of who we are. Right? Yes. As human <laughs> Thank you for drawing attention to that. <laughs> And with the, you know, on the mental health side and mental health challenges and wellness and well-being has certainly come to the forefront. What are some things that you do to protect your own well-being and mental health? And, and how do you keep that as part of the ongoing conversation within within Equifax? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have to say it's it's certainly shone a light on folks that do suffer or maybe hadn't before and then had issues because of isolation and some of the other kind of impacts of COVID. And, you know, it's it's just really sad. There's many that are still suffering. I mean, I just talked to a girlfriend yesterday who has a son that's really, really struggling. And his struggles began, you know, a kind of a young 20-year-old during COVID. And, you know, his mental health has gotten worse and he just sort of hasn't kind of recovered or not recovered, been able to manage through it to a more positive place. You know, I have people that are close to me that similarly have have suffered. So it's opened up my eyes more of how broad, you know, whether people are worried, anxious, you know, depressed and multitudes of issues become way more sensitive to that. It seems like half the people I know, right, are struggling with some some kind of mental health issues. For myself, I've always been pretty active, you know, kind of grew up as an athlete and so for me and and kind of nature girl. So I would say there's probably two things I do. One is, you know, working out and the other is being in nature. And hopefully those things combine into one, at least when there's it's not minus 20. So lucky enough to have a cottage where friends and family can come. And it is obviously uh, outdoors. And, and so really enjoy that and, and just try to manage that and, and just make sure that I, you can't always prioritize yourself, but, you know, make sure that at some interval, you do that. And for people that might be gardening or reading a book or napping or hanging out with friends or whatever, but I think it's it's really important because for me, it gives me perspective. We're not kind of operating on people's brains here. Like it's, you know, it's important the work we do, but it's like, okay, you know, you don't, those 200 emails you haven't read, you can, you can read them later or tomorrow, et cetera. So I think keeping things in perspective for me is my stress relief often. So many great things there and and love that how you talked about. Well, it's important to talk about, first of all, and having a conversation. And again, the discussions that I have with people just 
putting it on the table and it is, it's a part of the, the conversation. It's part of the dialogue. It's part of life. All of us oh, go through the challenge. And so having those empathetic conversations is key and love the comment around exercise and being outdoors, countless studies that show the beneficial impacts for us taking a stroll outside, exercising, all of that great stuff is really protective and enhancing for our, not just our physical health, our mental health as well. So apparently even thinking about kind of a lakeside or an ocean or a tree, just thinking about it is restful and releases, I don't know, dopamines or something. So I do, I actually have a sunset on my, my work well. <laughs> just to remind me, okay, Zen, you know, Zen is there if you, if you need it or want it. Uh, absolutely. I think it's such a, an important point, right? Triggers to be able to pull us out like little yeah. pauses in our day to go, mm-hmm. okay, just, and then, oh yeah. All right. Sunset. So now it's that almost deep breath, that mindful moment, if you will, mm-hmm. and, and taking that time to be able to recalibrate. So this is great. Question from Simon, wondering, what are some of the key things that you found to be helpful as a leader to develop yourself, to, to enhance your skills and, 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 and get to the next level of leadership effectiveness? Well, first of all, read both of Craig's books. <laughs> do good to lead well and, and a time to lead. And I think I do consider myself a student of leadership. So I, and I say that not in a cursory way. I do continue to observe leaders and not just my leaders, but the young leaders that I have in my organization who I learn a ton from every day about either their skill or their style or what have you. And so I try to reflect on what I'm doing. And if I don't show up how I wanted to today, I'll try to sort of think about, okay, what was that all about? Why was, you know, why didn't I show up like this or the way I want to? And listen, we can't be perfect every moment, but I do try to reflect on, okay, what was, what was it? Was I stressed or was the project off the rails or was it, do I have a talent issue or like, what is it? And try to kind of pull that apart. I think that's important to reflect on, you know, how you showed up the way you did if you, if it wasn't exactly kind of in line with how you want to. Yeah, I am a book reader, so, or in a podcast person. So I do try to listen to other leaders. I'm fortunate enough to be in Craig in your mastermind group where there's many, many talented leaders that I learn from all the time. So I, I think just really it's a learning mode. I would say I'm still curious. I'm still, I for sure don't know everything. In fact, the further along in my career I, I go, the less I think I know <laughs> either about leadership or the world, you know, which is changing quite dramatically. So I think it's just taking kind of a curious learning attitude. And if you do that, then I think your ears and eyes are open to, you know, your environment and what's around you. And either through osmosis, subconsciously or unconsciously, or consciously saying, what is that I'm saying? That's interesting. I love how that person is engaging their team or or what have you, or the marketplace, et cetera. So yeah, I think that would I would summarize it as kind of a, a, a learning attitude generally. Uh, again, so many reasons why I decided to have our conversation today. And the point that you made, and I'm 
super doubly excited because it, I can reference some research around <laughs> the question. So a couple of things. Number one, you talked about the intentionality. So, okay, when I didn't show up today, how I'd like. And then the question that you asked, what versus why? There's so much compelling data around. Because when we ask why questions, it's more defensive oriented and we yeah. gain, get insight. And I love and I really wanted to, you know, that question you asked yourself. So what prompted me to say that or do that? So incredibly valuable because to your point about the EQ and being aware, scanning our environment to see, okay, so what situational triggers put me on this path? So valuable because now, again, we can replicate that. We can next time it's, oh, yeah, there, you know, Craig said something. So now I've got to be mindful. Yeah. And, you know, you're laughing a lot. We, we laughed a lot, Craig, in our, our session with my leadership team. I think not taking yourself too seriously, because I think the why is very like, you know, it's kind of like back to being perfect and back to it's too much, right? Like we're human beings. We have stress at home and work and, and whatever. I think giving yourself a break and also by asking, yeah, what what was going on? And then forgiving yourself and saying, okay, the next time I'm going to show up differently, or maybe I do have some specific issues I need to tackle either myself or with my team or with the business, et cetera. And yeah, I think, you know, humor is probably helpful because you need to, you know, I was coaching someone on my team who was super defensive and taking things personally. And it's like, it's not, this isn't, you're a good person or a bad person. This is there are some things that you may not have perspective on in terms of how you're showing up or not. And that's perfectly fine. We all have them. I explain what all my blind spots are, you know, and I just think, again, it's kind of humility and vulnerability. It's, it's you know, showing up and making sure, yeah, you're just, you're sort of keeping it away from the core of you, you know, it's not the core of you. It's just kind of your behaviors, et cetera. Well, it's such a great point. And, and, and yes, we, we laughed a lot. And again, you know, what I love, we're celebrating our humanity and, yeah. and the humility that is connected with our, <laughs> so important for each of us. And cause we're constantly learning, we're, we're on a learning journey and what you just shared reminds me of, and then I'll, at the end of our conversation for next week, I have Ed Hess coming in, best-selling author and, and professor out of Durden. And one of his points, and it was directly in line with what you shared, Sue, is that I am not my ideas. So it's kind mm -hmm. of separating, right? I'll have ideas. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not who I am. It's right. And so recognizing that the people's observations don't mean that I'm X, that's really incredibly valuable. So got another question from Keith. I've got so many and, and I love it, the level of engagement. So Keith loved your observation that you're a student of leadership. Just curious, could you share a little more about, you know, what made you want to become a, a student of leadership and how that's impacted you in your career? I don't know when it was, but at one point I realized what an impact my boss had on my life, good or bad, right? And I realized I could have the same negative or positive impact to people, right? And then those people go home and they have families or they have friends and social networks. And, and there's this domino effect of the impact you have. And so it was more from a, 
people and human perspective. And, you know, when you've had a bad day, it's not usually the work. Like, it's not like, gee, I couldn't figure out this spreadsheet. I mean, maybe sometimes it is. But I think people leave work stressed because of the people, right? The colleagues, the boss, the clients, et cetera. That's what I think is an energy drain. Mm -hmm. So for me, being a student of leadership was like, how can I make a positive impact in this world? That sounds very dramatic, but at least in my little world of wherever I worked and my team, you know, which were small when I was early in my career and now larger. So I think it's, it's, you'll, and, and it could be about the work where the, the leader is so impactful and so positive and brings out the best in you and you get to do your best and make changes. And you can see the changes you're making in your, your team or your company or what have you. And that just gives you kind of reason to, feel good about yourself and your world and your relationships and all those kinds of things. So I think I, I realized, I don't know, quite a while ago, like what a positive human impact leadership can have. And I love that. And I think, and you're so right that in the conversations that I have, coaching conversations or in my personal life, rarely is it about a frustration around a tactical or operational piece. No. It's a relationship piece, either within myself or with someone yeah. in, my, in my environment. And I think being mindful of that and how our words and how our behaviors impact the people around us and how we can show up at our best, so, so important. So uh, love, love all of that. I was also wondering, and this was a, a great question from Sarah, if you could go back in time and give yourself some advice, what advice would you give to yourself at the beginning of your career? I would tell myself, you know, we kind of talked a bit about it. Like, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to know everything. You don't, in my case, you don't have to act like a man. Ask lots of questions because you're going to learn faster and that's okay. And having more humility probably and more... I mean, I had a lot of curiosity, but I would rumble around the questions in my brain instead of like, <laughs> instead of asking more questions, because I was so conscious of, again, being perfect and doing and making it look like I knew every little tidbit about my job, et cetera. And I mean, the other thing, this is kind of funny, but at my 50th birthday, my sister printed all these pictures and I have a couple of very, very, well, I shouldn't say old girlfriends, longtime girlfriends from junior high school and high school. And one of them is hilarious. And so we were looking at this picture of ourselves, like, and we're in our twenties. And I always thought I was fat and she always thought she had a big butt and whatever. And we pulled, we hold up this picture. And we're like, oh my God, we were hot. <laughs> it was just this lesson up. And I'm sure women that are listening and men, you know, you're just like so worried about like what you look like and this and that. And if you weigh this or it's just like, oh my God, forget all of that because it doesn't matter. It's all about your character and, and your humanity. And you probably look great anyway. So just, just a waste of energy. <laughs> That's bad that you are sharing that. <laughs> And yes, absolutely. Putting it all in perspective, I think is absolutely, yeah. absolutely key to uh, a happy, meaningful and, 
and rich life. We're almost at time. So this is this flown and thank you. And I've had so many comments, of, you know, Sue, thank you for your passion and your uh, leadership philosophy is just learn so much. So uh, that's one of many comments that have come in. One of the questions I, I love to ask is, you know, as you talked about and really brought us to another layer down, which I think is so important, a really challenging experience. What's one big lesson you've learned about yourself as you've navigated through, you know, the last three years, two and a half, three years? And then what's a big lesson you learned about the organization? You came in in November, 2020. What are, what's a big lesson you learned about Equifax Canada? I think I've just learned to be more vulnerable. And, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, Sue has it all together. And like even my my family and blah, blah, blah. And I don't I don't know if it's like self-fulfilling because they say that I don't say, well, actually, I'm really worried or upset about this or sad about that or whatever. Or it's because I don't do that, that they think I'm, you know, I went through a relationship breakup over the time of COVID. And I probably shared more with more people than I have in the past about things. And it was amazing how many people like were just so there and this is my experience and this is what happened. And, and I just thought, gosh, I, there's, I have such a strong, amazing network of friends and family that I should lean on more often. And some of those are my work colleagues. Right. And I, and I got, you know, just through the pandemic and all the challenges we had, like we're a much I, I would say closer team, and that's kind of my leadership team. And and I hope the rest of the Canadian business feels that way about me as a leader. I think, though I share more, I think I'm more honest, especially about the things that aren't so great. And then, you know, I mentioned diversity. It's really important to me. And, you know, a little bit is unintentional, but it's also unconscious and subconscious. I hire the best people. And lo and behold, most of my leadership team is either gender or ethnically diverse. And I'm so proud of that. And again, while it is intentional, it's a lot of it is just unconscious and subconscious. And that's where we end up. And I think that really creates a lot of disruption. So, you know, we have probably half the team is new since I arrived at the leadership level. And, you know, they talk about norming, forming. No, what is it? Forming, norming storming and performing. And so there was some of that, right? Friction, new people, old people. Some people knew a lot. Some people thought they knew a lot. Some people had new talents, had, you know, and we really needed that to drive to the future. And, and so I've learned, I guess, not learned more about diversity, but it's just been really reinforced. We have, I hope, a very inclusive culture at Equifax Canada where people can show up as their whole self and bring all their talents and we're seeing it in our, our results and, you know, our market leadership. Well, and thank you for that. And thank you for sharing your personal story. And I had an anonymous comments that I want to share. They said, thank you so much, Sue, for being brave and vulnerable and sharing your own uh, situation. I've been struggling with an issue and it's a great reminder to reach out. Got great friends and family. So there's a uh, a, a sincere gratitude to thank you. Mm, wonderful. And it's such an important point that, you know, we have wonderful friends, family, colleagues, mm. may not choose to lean on. And in some cases, what can happen is we withdraw. And so mm-hmm. it's a powerful reminder that you share that the people around us can be, be a tremendous source of mm. resilience, ideas, yeah. 
And then we let them know. And that's, it's so, so powerful. And I couldn't think of a kind of a more strong closing message around that. And we've got a couple of minutes left and I've had so many comments. So thank you. Like your passion, just always a lot of fun and, and <laughs> great way to drum around ideas and, and, and play with them. So just really appreciate that. Any final words you want to share with the audience before we close our conversation today, Sue? You know, enjoy life. I guess that's what I would say. Spring is coming. <laughs> so to our discussion, take your holidays. As I said, I just had a wonderful uh, ski trip with my son and a bunch of friends. And it's good perspective. And you can, it's funny, I, I actually worked during my holiday, but it was it was an interesting, because we've learned to work virtually, I, I somehow could marry that and was, you know, I would get up, uh, fortunately was on Pacific time skiing and do a couple hours of work and then that was it and then enjoy the rest of the day. And so I, I was kind of like quite refreshed because I wasn't coming back to like 3000 emails and stuff that I'd been separated from and ah, had to kind of double down on. So I, you know, that doesn't, maybe people think, oh no, working on your holiday, you need to disconnect. But actually for me personally, you know, learning those lessons of working virtually kind of really helped. But yeah, just really had a, a chance to kind of enjoy as well with friends and family. So I would just say, you know, enjoy your life, enjoy your support network, know they're there. Lots of people love you. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you. This has been Thoroughly enjoyable, a whole lot of fun, very insightful. So lots of fantastic, actionable takeaways. We really appreciate always our conversation and connection. And for those of you who are here today, just sharing with you a couple of upcoming episodes next week on March 29th at noon Eastern. So it'll be a lunch and learn. That'll be welcoming back Ed Hess, who I referenced earlier. So his latest book is Own Your Work Journey, which is available on Amazon. It's a practical how-to guide around how we can take control of our career and how we can function uh, most effectively in the smart machine age and the AI age. So really looking forward to Ed joining us next week at, at noon. And then as well, you'll see Sally Helgeson is joining us on April 3rd. She's the best-selling author of How Women Rise. Her latest book is called Rising Together, also a bestseller recently on Amazon, how we can build more inclusive environments. So beautiful complimentary messages with what we shared today. So Sue, thank you so, so much again for your energy, your insights, your philosophy. This has been a lot of fun and uh, really appreciate it. Thank you, Craig. And thank you for all you do. Oh, you're welcome. It's, it's, it's a blast. That's what life's about. <laughs> all right, awesome. go out and enjoy life. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining me here today on Do Good to Lead Well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you can follow me on Twitter at Craig Dowden or reach out via LinkedIn or email info at craigdowden.com. I look forward to meeting you here next week for another transformational episode.